In the creed, we confess our faith in the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Next week, we'll hear more about the whole Trinity. But today, we want to focus on the Holy Spirit and what he does. In fact, his name describes what he does. He makes holy. It's why in the creed we have the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, that is, holy people, and the forgiveness of sins, being declared holy for Jesus' sake. He's active in the Holy Gospel, Holy Baptism, Holy Absolution, and in the Holy Supper. Everything the Holy Spirit does has to do with making us holy, calling us to faith in Christ by the gospel, gathering us into the church, giving us new life. And enlivened by the Holy Spirit, we live out our new life in Christ, doing good works, loving God's commands, and living a holy life. That's what all our readings focus on today. Jesus, in today's gospel from St. John, says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. We've heard this kind of promise of Jesus before. He is going to send the Helper. And in this text, we are explicitly told that the Helper is the Holy Spirit. And St. Luke writes in Acts 2, The apostles were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. With these two passages, we are told what the Holy Spirit will do. And what does he do? He speaks. More specifically, he preaches. That's his job. And he doesn't point to or preach about himself, but Jesus. Look to Jesus and what he's done for you. That's what the Spirit does. God, the Holy Spirit, preaches Christ. The Holy Scriptures are his voice, for they are his very breath. It's the content of this preaching that we've been hearing about these last few Sundays of Easter. And next, re- next Sunday's readings are tied into this too. We hear how he preaches forgiveness and repentance, law and gospel, through the preached word. He delivers the salvation that Jesus has accomplished. Even today, the Holy Spirit is preaching to you. And that means that you have Christ And to have Christ means that you have his benefits. It's who the Spirit is and what he does. He preaches through God's word. But all too often we forget this, or we deny it. When we forget that the Spirit's job is to give us Christ, we are tempted to look elsewhere for the truth. The devil, the world, and our sinful flesh would like nothing better than for us to ignore God's word and to reject what he has given us. In the Old Testament lesson in Genesis, we see that this is nothing new. All the people of the world are united. They are gathered together with one language 
and they have a common purpose. So what great and wonderful thing did they accomplish? Did they show love to God and neighbor? Did they show the highest virtues of humanity? Well, not exactly. They decided to build a city. In and of itself, it seems innocent enough. But Moses didn't just record for us what these people did, but why they did it. Come, let us make bricks. Let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Here's the sin of this people. They wanted to make a name for themselves. Their goal was to show God how great and important they are, that they can build a tower and get themselves right up to God and his throne. And they want to do it all in their own name. So they build a church on this confession, a false church on the confession of themselves. God will have to pay attention to this church. They build a monument, a monument to their own individualism, a monument to their lack of need for God, a monument to their sin. At least that's how God saw it. But the people don't know that yet. They think the tower is a good thing, that their efforts to get to God by their own reason and strength are good. But this tower wasn't built in secret. They couldn't hide it from God, nor could they hide the sinful motivation of their hearts. Man likes to think that his sin is unknown to God, that we can hide what we do, that he doesn't know what we think, that he isn't aware of what we say. And even when we're confronted, we still often try to hide from God. Just look at the utter foolishness of Adam and Eve attempting to play hide-and-seek with God in the garden. Or how we act like little children who hope their parents won't know when they're lying. Such is the absurdity of sin Instead of listening to God and his word, how he works and what he commands, we build our life to our own liking and for the sake of our own names. But God isn't mocked. He knew what those people were doing. Even from his throne high above the earth and outside of time, God saw what the people were doing. And in fact, in our text, we see that God was mocking them and the size of their accomplishment. Notice what our text says. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower. It's as if it was such a tiny structure that he couldn't see it unless he got close. But really, God didn't come down in order to see. He came down in order to act. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. We know that you can't build a tower to heaven and find God. So had this tower been finished, this people would have made their way to heaven, where they would have not found God, but they would have seen themselves. 
Man is God, they would conclude. And that nothing would be impossible for them. No selfish desire or evil would be outside their grasp. They would have been affirmed and confirmed in their own sin. That's why God stepped in to frustrate their plans. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. The group united in their desire to make a name for themselves was now dispersed, divided in location and language, and in so many other ways. The people of Babel wanted a tower to be their legacy, and that's what they got. But it wasn't a tower to their greatness. It was a tower showing off the futility of their sin and opposition to God. Of all those who worked on that failed tower, none of their names are known to us. They are forgotten. But the spirit that motivated them lives on. God may have ended that building project, but man's heart is still filled with a desire to work his way to God. This past weekend, we saw how one man was sinned against and killed. And so sin against other men was unleashed by those who felt the pain and anger of the first sin. And on it goes. And rather than point out the sin that's everywhere, even the sin that's in our own hearts, we are tempted to justify the actions of those on one side or the other, eager to show how our side is the morally superior one. So man looks up, striving to get up to God, striving to hide our faults from him and one another. Man tries to work his way to God. But God isn't found in the sky. The true God is the God who loves to come down. He comes down in mercy. He comes down to be with man. He comes down to save. He comes down to give. Even his coming down to Babel to scatter the people was an act of his mercy. God didn't want them to be confirmed in their sin. He wanted them to know the sorrow of being separated from one another so that they would begin to realize their need for him. So what about your life? What is your life built on? Has your life been built on God's word or on your own ambition and striving? Do you trust God's word even when it's mocked by the world? Or do you look for approval from others? God sees your priorities. He knows what occupies your thoughts. He knows what you fear. He knows how much you spend on yourself and how little you care for others. He sees what you want to do in the dark and all the things you've done in secret. So what will happen when God comes down to inspect your life? Will he come down as he did when he saw the Israelites worshiping a golden calf and calling it the true God? Without Moses' intervention, God said he would destroy them and make Moses into a great nation in their place. Still, 
about 3,000 people died that day. Is God going to come down like that? Will he come down the way he did at the Tower of Babel and scatter you out of his presence, severing you from your family and friends? I think there is a very real way that we've been given a taste of that kind of separation recently. Over the last couple of months, we haven't gathered in our usual way. We haven't seen our usual family and friends. We know we have known something of the separation that God used against the people of Babel. But every time God separates people, he does so for the purpose of bringing them to repentance, that they would confess their sin and return to God in faith so that he could bring them back together. Yes, at many times and in various ways in history, God has come down in judgment But even in exercising judgment, God desires salvation. So when Christ came into the world, God was coming down to save. Jesus, whose name means God saves, came to do exactly that. His name, unlike our names, actually saves. He lived according to God's law for our sake For the sake of all who accomplish evil in the world around them, Jesus built something. He built the church upon himself, the one who is the cornerstone that the builders rejected. The church doesn't stand upon human ideals or motivation. The church stands upon Christ, and the preaching of his kingdom has come to us. Come, let us go down, the father said. Son, you go down first. Take on their flesh and blood and carry all their sin and answer for it with your own blood. And rise again on the third day and proclaim victory over sin and death and hell. Then return to heaven and fill all things so that you will rule the church in grace. Then, Holy Spirit, you go down, comfort them, preach to them of my mercy in Jesus, give them my word that they would have salvation, give them access to my mercy down there, gather them together so they can receive my gifts, give them baptism and absolution and the Lord's Supper, and preaching centered on Jesus Christ crucified and risen. Come, let us go down says God. Come, let us go down and build. Let us go down, says your God, as he continues his best building project. On this day, on the day of Pentecost, God came down, but not to kill or send people away. That day, 3,000 weren't killed because of their disobedience. That day, 3,000 souls were baptized in the name of Jesus. Instead of the scattering and confusion of language at Babel, all the people heard the clear preaching of the cross and the forgiveness of their sins, and they heard these things in their own language. We certainly marvel at the mighty work that God did that day when he visibly sent his Holy Spirit But the greater work that day, the greater miracle, 
was that everyone there gathered heard the gospel, that 3,000 souls were converted, that they were baptized and received the Holy Spirit. The people of Babel had their own building project, but it was a monument to their own pride and sinfulness. The building project of the Spirit is the church, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus is the cornerstone, and you are the bricks. This building project is entirely God's work, God's gift. God is the architect. He is the builder. And he calls the workers. Compared to the Tower of Babel reaching high into the heavens, the church doesn't look very impressive to the world. Rather than a group united in their desire to show how great they are, the church is made of those who confess their sin. And they point to Jesus, their Savior, the God who has come down to them. In this Christian church, Jesus is proclaimed and believed. And here the Holy Spirit does his building work, building Christians on the firm foundation of Christ's saving work. Yet even as the Lord builds, he also works to tear down everything in your life that opposes him, to get rid of your pride and sinfulness. And he builds you up into a new life full of faith and confidence in Jesus. He gives you the freedom to throw away your idols. We don't have to build a tower to get up to God. He comes down to us. He comes down to us in his risen body and blood, in his word, in his promises. And whoever trusts in him will never be put to shame. God grant it for Jesus' sake. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. The peace of God keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.